0: The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about The Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. How are you? Y'all awake this morning? Is it raining out there still? No? Okay, good. Awesome, awesome. It was raining this morning, so I just wanted to make sure y'all made it in okay, you know. Um, I'm Alec Jax. I'm a... Uh, I'm not Matt Oxley, actually, surprise, and uh, I'm, I'm actually the student pastor here at the Creek, so that means that I work with junior high and high school students, so pray for me, please. Um, I gee, I'll think I'm kidding, but I'm serious. Um, I am so excited to be with you this morning. It's going to be a great morning. Um, we are going to be continuing right along with Luke, uh, and we are going to be in Luke forever, so um, let's... Go ahead and start flipping to Luke five if you 've got your Bibles um, while while you 're turning there um, I, I just want to tell you uh, something about me um, i I 'm not a guy who just to be honest with you gets nervous easily um, I just don 't and like like in most situations i 'm just ready to like dive in and play with fire if you know that kind of guy like that's that 's who I am and um, i don 't get nervous um, but about 25 minutes before my wedding, I discovered what the word nervous meant, right? And and here's here's what I mean. Um, 25 minutes before my wedding, like the entire relationship had had no doubts. I still don't have any doubts. Like we're great. And um, in those 25 minutes, my brain shut down and I basically blacked out, right? and And so I didn't actually black out, but... Um, I, I was so nervous and like I'm a nervous sweater like you'll see that eventually if you haven't already but um, I was so nervous and I, and I walked down the aisle and and the entire time and I'm just like I'm shaking and um, and I remember two things about that morning um, the first thing is that uh, my guys, our groomsmen got together and then they laid hands on me and they prayed over me and it was a really sweet moment of just kind of being carried by community, right? And then um, the second moment that I remember is um, as I'm standing uh, outside of where we're about to get married, right outside of the ceremony, um, my mom had apparently said it several times, um, but you know when you're like a red light and, and you have, like it's been green for like 10 minutes and you look up and you're like, oh, that's what the honking is about. Like that's that's where I was because my mom had been saying, Alec, you have to walk for like 30 seconds. And and man, that's just where I was. Um, if it hadn't been for my mom, I may still have been waiting there. Like today, I may have been there. And um I mean, I remember like that, that whole morning, Like, I couldn't get stuff done on my own. Um, and that was a moment, and, and really just that whole day was a time when I was carried by my community. And, and for some of you guys, um, you have been carried through seasons and through situations by your community. I hope that you've been carried through those seasons by the creek, right? Um, because in Christ, we're actually called to carry each other forward in community. And, and so this morning... Um, I know that some of you have been carried through some darker seasons, and some of you guys, um, like, you've, you've gone through a divorce, or you've gone through a major sickness, or you've gone through um, the loss of a parent. And, and I'm, I, I just want to, like, start this morning by saying I know that we as a church don't do this perfectly every time, but we are responsible to one another to carry each other in community. And so this morning, we're going to look at a passage in Luke. And as we look at that passage, I hope that you see um, a group of men who carried forward their friend literally in community. But beyond that, um, I hope that we become a place that as believers, that, that we just care for each other really, really well, that we love each other, that we pray for one another, and then that we actually become people who are willing to, when people are far from God, carry People into the presence of Christ. I hope, I hope that we become those kind of people this morning. And so um, I can't do that. Like if I preach an amazing sermon and like Adam gets back up and sings an amazing song and, and like we knock them dead, like it doesn't matter if the Lord doesn't change our hearts. And so this morning I, I wanna pray with us and, and just ask that God would intervene and change us from the inside out as we got out here this morning. So let's, let's pray together. God, we love you. And we thank you for just everything you've done in our lives, God. And we ask that this morning, um, as you have carried us into the presence of God the Father, that we would be men and women who carry our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, our families into your presence, Lord. We ask that you would do that in our hearts this morning. And and God, that you would um, just sustain us in tough seasons, Lord. Um, not just by your power, but also by the community that you've given us, your body. And so we love you, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Amen, amen. Um, if you've got your Bibles, flip over to Luke 5. We're gonna be in verse 17. Um, just to give you kind of a, a warning, we're gonna divide this. There's kind of a natural divide in this um, story. And so um, we're gonna do one section and then um, the focus is gonna shift a little bit and we'll be in another section. Uh, but But for now... Um, Let's pick up in verse 17. "'On one of those days, as he,' that's Jesus, "'was teaching, "'Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there "'who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea "'and from Jerusalem. "'And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. "'And behold, some men were bringing on a bed "'a man who was paralyzed, "'and they were seeking to bring him in "'and lay him before Jesus.' But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And so here's, that's kind of session one, right? And here's, here's what we see happening. Well, first first we see um, these men gathering their friend. Um, we don't know exactly how um, or who, like if they're related to this guy or what's going on, but we see these four men Um, We're told it's four in the book of Mark. This story is repeated in Mark 2, if you ever wanna go back and read it. Um, We see these four men getting their friend, and all we know about this friend is that he is paralyzed. And what we know about being paralyzed is that in the first century, um, outside of the generosity of others, this would have essentially been a death sentence. Because as, like, (laughs) history lesson, there wasn't Medicaid in the first century right? Like there there were not systems of support for people who were handicapped and disabled in the first century. And so this man had to rely on others for food, for water, for someone to hopefully take him to the restroom, for everything. And the moment that that generosity dries up, he's in trouble. But luckily, what what we see in the story is that he's got some kind of community, He's got these four friends who, who apparently, man, just passionately care about him. And we know that because of what they do and how much they go through to get him there. But they pick him up. Mark actually says it was on a mat, so you can sort of imagine like a stretcher. And as they're taking him, they start to take him to Jesus, or know exactly what their relationship to Jesus is. I mean, we don't know if he was, um, if they were disciples of Jesus, or, or maybe they had just heard about him. They knew he was some kind of healer. Maybe they wanted to go see if he's the Messiah. We, we don't really know, but we know that they took him to Jesus, and, and they show up at this house, and as they get to the house, Jesus, who had been teaching for only a little while at this point, had built this crowd. Now I mean, like such a massive crowd that you can't even get in the door. There, there is no way inside. Have you ever wanted to help somebody and had no idea how to do it? That's what these guys were going through. They'd come all this way and they brought their friend to get him into the presence of Jesus because they knew that where Jesus is, you can find healing. And so they get there, it's full, there's no way. Do, do y'all have like a crazy friend? You know what I'm talking about? Like that one guy that you're like, dude has fireworks and it's not even July. Like you don't know, like he's just crazy. Like if you don't have that friend, that's probably you. You're, you're that friend. But, but ultimately, man, we see, we see this, this friend and like these friends gather together. and like, you know, the crazy friend was in this circle because like they're like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And some guy in this circle was like, I don't know, but I got a shovel. And so they get the shovel out and they get up on the roof. Like, I don't know how they made the decision to do this, but they gather around and they somehow decide, like, we're going up on the roof, baby. And and they don't just go up on the roof to knock on it and go, hey, Jesus, where you at? But they get up on the roof and they literally start digging into the roof. This is in Mark. And they start digging into the roof. And downstairs, Jesus is preaching, right? Like, there's a message going on. There's a church service. And like, this is like, this is crazy, y'all. This is like Matt Oxley, like right now, busting out of the ceiling on a rope, being like, I'm back, baby. And like, this is happening while Jesus is preaching a sermon. And so these guys dig into the roof and it says that they lower their friend down to see Jesus. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that they were willing to do anything to get their friend into the presence of Jesus. And and I just want to be I just want to be real with you for a second. I have family members that when I look at them I go, man there's no way God could save them. And and here's what I know. One, God can save them. Absolutely. But two, I may be called to do something crazy to get them into the presence of Jesus. And what we see in this story is guys who were so transformed by the love of God that they were willing to literally break into somebody's house to get their friend into the presence of Christ. And I just hope that, that really quickly, you and I would be the kind of people that when we look at our friends, we go, man, God, you can do this and whatever it takes, I'm willing. That we would be that kind of people that we would be that kind of people. Because what we see is that they literally, his community carried him into the presence of Christ. And, And so we, as a body of believers, like if you're a Christian in this room and you come to the creek, you are called to carry your brothers and sisters in this room into the presence of Christ, regardless of the season that they're in and regardless of the situation that they're in. We are called. And so... What we see here is these guys pulling their friend into the presence of Christ. Um, and, and so, what we're really watching is Christian community, because as believers, we are called um, not just to carry each other, but, but also um, there are so many one another's in the New Testament. We're called to pray for one another. We're called to mourn with one another. We're called to celebrate with one another, which is a sweet thing, right? We're called um, to love each other in the same way that Jesus Christ loved us, which is a pretty high standard. And, and here's what I want you to see. Christian community is not networking. Networking. It's not networking. When you're networking, and I know this because like I've gotten a couple jobs, right? (laughs) When when you're networking, you walk into a room and you do everything that you can to be impressive and sound awesome. You got a business card and you are presenting your best side to those around you. And you're going, hey, look at me. Here's here's everything I've done. Maybe you got a resume, I don't know, but you're presenting yourself in such a way that you will benefit from it. And, and, and look, like some people come to church that way, right? Some people come in here and try to make themselves in leadership immediately. And like, like man, they just want to be impressive at church for some reason. But, but I want you to understand, that's not Christian community. That's networking. Christian community exists like we exist for one another, we have a willingness to walk through difficulty and different seasons with one another. And ultimately, man, we have a desire to carry one another's burdens. We, we wanna walk with each other. It's, it's not that we wanna impress each other. It's that we wanna help each other and point each other to Christ along the way. And so, man, we are called to walk in that way. And as we do, Here's what I want to tell you. We will to the world be a spectacle. We'll be a spectacle as we love in that way. Um, I, I went to um, the John Muir Woods one time, which is this like phenomenal redwood forest right out right outside of San Francisco. I don't know if you've ever been, but um, you walk in and there are trees as big as my apartment, right? Like, like, and I get it, like, I'm in my 20s, so my apartment isn't big, okay? But, but it was, like, amazing. Like, you walk in, and you're just in awe, and all you can do when you see these beautiful, massive sequoia redwood trees is look at the tree and stand back in awe and just go, wow, that's incredible. And, and what I want you to hear is that as the world who does not know God necessarily looks at the way that we love each other, if we're loving each other in the way that the Bible tells us to, that they should stand back and go, and I may not agree with him, I may not care about God at all, but wow, I love the way he loves his wife. Wow, I love the way he loves his family. It should be spectacular because what we see in the story is four guys who are willing to do the spectacular work of loving their friend into the presence of Jesus. And so we're called to love in spectacular ways. And as we do that, man, the world is gonna stand back and just go, this is incredible. And I I just wanna offer up this thought, that as you do so, your relationship with the Lord is just gonna grow. And as you love in crazy ways, and as you put your faith out there, um, you're version of Christianity is going to be way less boring than it is right now. Like some of you guys, man, you come to church every week and and you're just bored out of your mind. And I think part of the reason is because you're not actually practicing love. You're just coming to church. And so I want to encourage you, man, live this thing out. Because as you do, you'll start to experience more and more and more of God. And that's, that's kind of where we see the end of scene one, right? But then scene two happens and here's where the focus is going to go. It's going to come off of these guys who are, who are carrying their friend, and it's going to step into focusing on Christ and his interactions with a couple different groups of people. So I want you to watch this in verse 20. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And immediately, yeah, hey, we can whoop for that. That's cool. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. And so what we see is these guys finally bust through the roof and while Jesus is still teaching and preaching, they drop this guy through the roof and the first thing that Jesus says is man, your sins are forgiven. And and here's here's what I want you to see about that. Is like just to be real, if if you bust into my house like that, like you start climbing through the roof, my first words to you are not gonna be, man, your sins are forgiven. Like they're gonna be words that I can't say right now because I'm preaching a sermon. And you know, just being honest. And and so, like, It's not going to go well for you if you bust in my roof like that. First off, props, because I'm on the first floor and there are like five floors above me, but I'm impressed, but I'm still pretty mad. And what Jesus says, um, where Mark says, this is Jesus's own house, um, Jesus says, man, your sins are forgiven you. And, And what I want you to see, he does not first assess the man's value or worthiness of his forgiveness. He leads with love. He leads with love. And when you compare this nature, because it is, it's is—it's not just in the beginning that he leads with love, he, he actually throughout this passage, he heals and he responds to the Pharisees in love, which is really cool. So Jesus is leading with love the entire time. In fact, as we look at the Pharisees, um, here's, here's what he says. When Jesus perceived their thoughts in verse 22, He answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? And then here's here's where we see Jesus's motive behind the healing. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, stand up. I'm healing you. And so, what I want you to see here, this is not a rebuke of the Pharisees. This is not going, well, I'm just going to prove myself to you. This is Jesus revealing himself to the Pharisees as God. And and this is a massive act of love because as believers, let me just tell you straight up, the greatest, most kind, most gracious thing that Jesus can do for you is to reveal himself in your life as God. And if you are a believer today, it is because Jesus has revealed himself to you, that he has revealed himself as God over your life. And so because of that, what we're looking at here is not a rebuke of the Pharisees. It's not, well, let me just prove myself. It's, I love you. Look at this. I'm God. He's revealing himself in love. And so he leads with love. He leads with love in the beginning. He leads with even the Pharisees. And when you look at the Pharisees who are angry and biting and bitter and accusing him of blasphemy, for him to respond by going, hey, I'm still Lord, I love you, is incredible. And then he heals. He ends this conversation with love. And so this should lead us to, to a really simple question. And it's this, are we, and and maybe you just need to ponder this this afternoon, I don't don't know, are we in our relationships leading with love? Or are we leading out of something else? Are are we leading out of envy? Are we leading out of bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, daddy issues? What What are we leading out of that's not love? And, and here are a couple ways you can see if you're leading out of something else. If you're in a hard conversation and you switch over to instead of listening and, and trying to empathize and sympathize and actually listen, when you switch over to thinking of your next line of attack while the other person is talking, it, and we like, hey, the, I've been there, okay? Like we, we do this. That's not leading out of love. You, you're no longer listening you're no longer you're now moving from listening to judging the person's worthiness and as we do that man i, I just i just want to remind you that if jesus had looked at our worthiness before he forgave us it would have ended badly for us right and and so here's i, I just want to correct a kind of idea that you might have about god um how many how many of you um, fellas have, have gotten like sized for a tuxedo or a suit before. Any, yeah? So, so some of you like the last time was high school, but um, that's okay. Uh, I remember getting sized for a suit. And, and let me just like straight up tell you, getting sized for a suit is an awkward, horrible time. It's just, it's just not fun. Um, because here's what happens. In, in my situation, I had four super fit dudes. And I don't know where they came from, but man, they were just like ripped, coming out and like rolling tape all over me in uncomfortable places and sticking me with pins. And then like realizing like, oh, I've gained weight in places that I don't want to gain weight. You know what I'm saying? And, and man, it was just awful. And then even during that situation, it's not just that I feel vulnerable because of my body, right? They're, they're also asking the question, so, uh, What's your price range today? Like they're, they're measuring me, not just physically, but financially and seeing, seeing kind of where I land there. And, and for a lot of us, when we think about God, we think that he's doing the same thing, that he is man standing in the distance and measuring you to a standard that you poss- can't possibly hit. And we think that God is standing there going man you can't even you can't even afford a suit in my store so you just need to you just need to head on, brother men's warehouse is down the corner like and and so I want to just help you see that when Jesus looks at you, he does not first judge your worthiness he does not look at you and go, man, I wish you were skinnier man, I wish you didn't treat your wife that way I mean we do want to change those things, right? But but ultimately, he's looking at you and going, son, your sins are forgiven. It's not based on your worthiness. It's based on his love. And so he looks at you, and he doesn't first measure you. He says, son, I love you. Daughter, I love you. And so that's really, really good news because, uh, man, if Jesus doesn't look at us like that. If he judges our worthiness, we're never gonna measure up. But instead, Jesus says, no, 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 no. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And that because, of, because he first loved us, we also love now. And so we're called to be transformed by that love. And so here's, here's what I want you to take away as we look at the back end of that passage is that in the light of life change, we glorify God. And, and the temptation here is that um, we would start by thinking of ourselves as those four friends, that we would think, man, we're the church, so now, now it's our job, baby. We're gonna go get some people for Jesus, right? Like, we're gonna go save the world, and we're gonna carry our friend on a mat. And, and the reality is that you, at your worst, when you became a Christian, were not one of those friends. You were the handicapped man who could not make it into the presence of Jesus, you could not. And so we were carried by community. And Jesus loved us as we approached him. He said, son, we're not gonna worry about your worthiness because we know you're not worthy. We're gonna worry about how much and how great my love is for you. And so we were carried into the presence of Christ. And because of that, our lives should be transformed. And so here's, here's where I wanna go. Um, at the back end of this passage, it says this in 25, and immediately, this is the man who was handicapped and lame before. He rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. He picked up his mat and went home. And then in 26, an amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. We have seen extraordinary things today. And so in light of, of the life change that God has done in you, we should glorify God. I wanna give you two ways to do that. The first is simply that we should take our mat, go home, and glorify God. That we should take our mat, our experience with Christ, take that home, and glorify God in it. And so here's what I know. Um, Some of us, man, if if you were raised in church, you had an experience... (laughs) Of God at a very young age. Maybe it was high school, maybe it was middle school, maybe, maybe you were one of those like like you were literally like born in a church, somebody spanked your bottom, and you're like, Jesus! And 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 you were just there. But since then, you have not had any growth in your spiritual life. You don't know the Bible any better than the day you were saved. You haven't prayed or read the Bible in, in months, years. Like, you do not depend on God. And here's what I'm gonna say. You have a compartmentalization issue. And I'm really good at compartmentalizing my life, right? Uh, Some of you guys might be too. If something goes wrong at work, my home life is totally unaffected. If something goes wrong at home, my work life is pretty much unaffected. I can just kind of block it out. And some of you have done that with Jesus. You have a great, spiritual life on Sunday morning and on Monday morning, God could not be further from your heart. And I wanna tell you, you need to take your mat, your experience of what God has done in your life, take it home and glorify God. Glorify God in the way that you love your family. Glorify God. And more important, look, we can talk about actions and those things, but more than that, in you glorifying God, I want you to trust Jesus more than you did the day you were saved. I want you to rest in Him, because He's done all the work, and so so we can, and so that's how we glorify God. Yes, we love our families more, but ultimately, I want you to love God more, and that's how we glorify Him, and and so so we can it, it, we can take what we've learned in church, what we've learned in our community groups, what we're learning from the Bible uncompartmentalize it and bring it into reality. Um, When I got back um, from my honeymoon, I'll I'll just be honest with you. I was sad. (laughs) Just just straight up. We we went to San Francisco. It was beautiful. Man, some of the best coffee in the whole world. To the glory of God. And and it was awesome. Um, And ultimately, it would have been really, really easy to stay there. Just straight, would have been easy to call Matt Oxley and say, hey, bro, you're preaching next week. Sorry, man. Like, I'm, I'm staying in San Francisco. Good luck. And, and here's why we couldn't. Because our marriage, our covenant between myself and Lindy and the Lord needed to be played out in reality, in real life. And so your faith needs to not just be a Sunday morning thing. It needs to be played out in your real life. Or it's like you're still on a honeymoon. And that doesn't make sense if it's more than two weeks. It might be fun, but it's not changing the world. And so we're called to love people in a way that changes the world. And ultimately, and you've got to play out your faith in real life. The second way that we can do this is simply this, that we would live lives that make people say what they said at the end of this passage, which is we have seen extraordinary things today. At the end of this healing, man, even the Pharisees in the room are going, man, we have seen extraordinary things today. And so I want you to live a life that makes people go, we've seen extraordinary things. And don't mishear me. Don't don't hear me and go. Well, that means I need to do like live this adventurous lifestyle. Like I'm some kind of YouTuber, and I need to make, need to make a lot of money, and I need to have the best family. Because what, first off, what does that even mean? But secondly, that's just not sustainable. In living an extraordinary life, here's what I mean that in the way that you love your family, in the way that you love your friends, in the way that you talk about the Lord, that people would look on and even if they disagree with you, they would go, I need to know what changed you. I need to know how you love like that. I need to know the God you know. Because that's where we find life change. Let me pray for us. God, we love you and and we're so thankful that you, honestly, God, that you rescued us, that you made a way for us in the cross and and to give us salvation, to give us renewal, to give us an abundant life, Lord. And and so, God, I'm just asking that um, for those of us in here who who are Christians, who would call ourselves believers, but but don't have any fruit, don't have any evidence outside of the fact that we come to church on Sunday morning, um, that we would, Stop compartmentalizing our life, God, and that we would say that you and you alone are Lord of every area, of every area, of how we run our finances, of how we love our kids, of what we watch on the internet. God, that you are Lord, and that in doing that, God, that people would look on and go, this is incredible. I want that, And as soon as we get the opportunity that we would do crazy things, God, that we would just carry them into your presence no matter what it takes, God. And I'm thinking about family members in here, and I'm thinking about um, friends in here who who we have, God, that we just want to see saved, that we want to see know you. And God, I'm just asking that you would empower us to be your people in such a way that we're attractive as, as your people, God, and that in seeing us live out lives of love, God, that they would just want that Honestly. And God, for anybody in here that's going, I don't, I don't even know what he's talking about. What is this like love and peace thing? I, I don't know, Lord. God, that you would prick their hearts and that they would hear from you right now. That they would see their need for you. That they would see that without you, man, they're on the side of the road. They can't walk. They can't get to you. They have no hope. They're stuck in their sins, but with you, there's life. Remind us of that today, God. Remind us that we were all there and that you rescued us. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com.